everyone, and welcome to the Pop Culture Club Podcast, here with another, yes, another special episode in which I get to interview one of my favorite bands, easily in my top 15. Um, I have to preface by saying I was a little more nervous than usual, and I really can't say why. I just was. Maybe it's because they're contemporaries, at least I think they are. Well, they're younger. No, they gotta be at least 10 years younger. But, um, I think it's just a matter of, like, they capture a sound that speaks to me that's like, holy crap, you must listen to the exact same records that I have in the past. It's weird. I I guess, like, hmm, it's, it's just strange. I can't explain it. I guess it's the same feelings I would get if I were to meet, like, a Kevin Shields or a John Bryan. Like, you just do it right. And I can't even articulate why exactly um, I get goosebumps when I listen to your music. But that's kind of what I was trying to say to them um, without indulging in too much hyperbole, but I think I did anyway. And I think I even say that word at some point in the interview. But um, yeah, they are a band whose sound just captures a specific place and time. Um both in in the songs, but also in my life. And every time I hear it, I, I feel joy. And I also think back to a time when I was very, very happy uh, living in an apartment in Chicago. And I think of Cocktoo Twins, Slow Dive, Ride, Brian Eno, John Bryan, like I said, all these influences and elements coming together. And they create something wholly original and beautiful. They just do something to me in a way that few few bands have in the past few years. Oh, man, they soothe my troubled mind and inspire me. (laughs) It's so crazy, right? I remember sending um, to the band's email, like, telling them all these things, and I immediately think, I'm going to sound like a rabid fanboy with my level of enthusiasm. But I hope you know by now that it really does come from a sincere place. I, um... I knew that at some point they were assigned to Sub Pop, and you know, I contacted the head of publicity there, and I said, is there any way I can interview this band? Because I just think they're so great and kind of under the radar, and they deserve more attention. I mean, maybe the whole rest of the world think I'm nuts, but I don't care. I'm sticking to my convictions. This is a band that works in every way. And luckily, um, it was very easy to make happen. Um, I guess I caught them at a good time because they just finished their next record, which I am waiting for on bated breath, or with bated breath, I should say. Um, man, I, I and I can tell you a story or two about hearing Memory House and then wanting to know, like, where did this these two come from? How did they create this sound? What is their studio like? Like, I was just thinking all these things, probably because, like I said, they make music that I aspire to make in some ways, even though I'm pretty comfortable with my sound. And I remember even thinking, um, after I saw them at Shuba's, oh, I wish I could talk to them, but I'm kind of nervous. And I didn't really make an effort to do so. But I have now. <laughs> and it's great. I I really did enjoy seeing them live um, at Shuba's. I think it was in 2012 or 2013. I can't remember. Maybe it was 2012. But, um... Yeah, the Years EP is something I love to fall asleep to, and the slideshow effect is something I go back to regularly. It's practically a track-for-track perfect pop record. 
So if you love Dream Pop, Shoegazer, Cool Wave, whatever they call it, I don't even think you should pigeonhole them into a genre. They just, they do good old-fashioned pop songs with a great hook. Um, Go back and check out Memory House's records, particularly the Slideshow Effect, and really, really look forward to their new record coming out next year. I have no doubt it's going to be great. They are... Uh, sweet and well-spoken, and hopefully I didn't overwhelm them too much with my unabashed love for their sound. Anyway, I I gotta move on here. I'm still a little fuzzy, a little under the weather. That's why I was like probably doubly nervous to do this interview because I've been struggling to get over um, my illness, and it's been with me for like a week and a half. So I don't care. I was gonna fight it with all my might, and hopefully uh, I don't come across as too ridiculous. anyway i am so excited to present to you another brief and enlightening discussion with some great songwriters here is my interview with denise and evan of memory house let's get called together a moment a few years back when I told a friend of mine that if I were to be in a band again, it would probably be shoegazy dream pop fronted by a female vocalist, and I wanted to name the band Paper House after an obscure horror movie from the late 80s. Cut to around, I think, 2013, when I came across a band by way of my love for composer Max uh, Richter, and I discovered this band, Memory House, and they will forever hold a special place in my heart. When I first heard the song Heirloom, I pulled over to the side of the road to fully absorb it without any distraction. Um, And then, of course, Walk With Me, The Kids Were Wrong, and, well, track for track on the slideshow effect just clicked with me instantly. Um, I remember parking my car at home, walking over to the record store nearby, and I just purchased the vinyl. And that night, I played it for my roommate while I cooked dinner and said, this is not only my favorite record of the year, but if I were ever to be in a band again, this is the exact sound I would aspire to. Um, And I know that most of my friends are aware that I get overexcited about movies and music, often indulging in hyperbole. But on the basis of only two records, Memory House is one of my top 15 favorite bands of all time. And to be able to talk with them today is the highlight of my year so far. So, welcome to the show, Denise and Evan of Memory House. Wow, that was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> such a great introduction. I think um you can tell I'm a fan. Yes. Um I gleaned and- that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's it's great to talk with you to learn about how things are going, but we also have to start at the beginning cuz um it's rare to find sound in which everything works right um on every level for me. 
Um, and on top of that, your choices for covers include The Zombies and My Bloody Valentine, which are two of my favorite bands, too. So I think, honestly, even that those two bands in and of themselves is a nice amalgam of what your sound kind of fits into. It's pop music that's that sounds timeless but otherworldly. What inspired you to make music together, just so the listeners can get a sense of how you started out as songwriters? Um, well, let me think. Back in the beginning, we started around 2009. Um, Evan had come to me, who was not a musician whatsoever at the time, Ooh. with music. And he was like, you need to sing on this. And I didn't know anything at that point. So I think we came, like, I came kind of very wide-eyed and not really sure what I was doing. But Evan definitely had, like, a sound palette already kind of coming in. Evan, come on. Bring it in here. Uh, Let me hear it. Yeah, I mean, it was, I, I just saw a lot of potential in this collaboration because Denise just had a keen eye for aesthetics, and I think that um, when you possess that, it, it's easy to translate that across a bunch of different mediums. She had just mm-hmm. such a great eye for video and for photography. Photography, And um, I just said, hey, let's see what happens if you were to sing. And it was a steep learning curve, but it ended up turning out kind of cool. I'd say so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, in addition to like I said, a mutual love of, of Max Richter, the zombies, my bloody Valentine. I was so taken with the years EP because it seemed influenced by the ambient textures of Brian Eno. But what really made me into a fan for life is the fact that you incorporated a sample from my favorite movie score of all time, eternal sunshine and spotless mind. So my guess is you're also a huge John Bryan fan. Um, can you tell me about your connection to that particular piece of music, which you used for the song lately, I believe? Yeah, um, I, I'm definitely a fan of John Bryan. He's, he's interesting because he's just one of those kind of classic L.A. musicians in the vein of, like, Harry Nilsson. Where yes! He Thank like, you! <laughs> you can just pick up a guitar and noodle around and either write a completely original album or cover the White Album. It's just like it can go in any direction. Right. And I just, I really liked that. But I think what made me really like that song in, particu- in particular is that uh, my friend had, <laughs> my friend who's also not a musician, but um, is just a really close friend of mine, he covered that entire soundtrack. Whoa. Yeah. And I really liked it because it was really fragile sounding and really, hmm. you know, like not like unprofessional. It just like it was really rough around the edges and it just like had a really handmade feel to that. And it made me just view that soundtrack differently and it had a very personal connection to me. So I kind of did it as a tribute to my friend's work and also because, yeah, John Bryan's really great. That makes sense. Um I think the way the songs are sung also really sets Memory House apart from other dream pop bands in that um, Denise isn't belting out long sustained notes doused in reverb, at least for the slideshow effect, because there is something really sort of plaintive and calming about the chorus to Heirloom. I remember being so taken with the line, just don't drown in the flood, and how it seemed like the protagonist 
was comfortable being caught in this in the storm as opposed to like overly emotional in a way it reminds me of the way nico sings these days I love overly emotional music, but to me, there was just this beautiful interplay with the songwriting and the way Denise sings that seemed to evolve from the Years EP to the slideshow effect. Was there a conscious decision to change things for the slideshow effect and like putting her vocals up front in the mix more? Yeah, definitely. I think, like, I mean, like I said, I, I came into singing with like no basis musical basis at all so I think the kind of deadpan singing definitely was just what I felt comfortable doing and I think um I'm I'm still very much singing that way and with the slideshow effect we definitely wanted to take the reverb reverb down and kind of go for more of like a a folky kind of country sound which Mm, my voice is nothing like that but we we liked that kind of palette um, at the time a lot more and we didn't want to hide behind any kind of like production that muddied in any of the songwriting. So There was also an awareness culturally of what was happening within the genre, not just dream pop but indie in general where you'd have these bands really stretching to fit that mold because it was <laughs> very popular at the time and it you know it ended up becoming really shallow because you'd have bands influenced by the bands influenced by the bands influenced by Ride or by My Bloody Valentine. And what you were getting were these really shadow photocopy bands. And we wanted to at least try to make a clear distinction between what we were doing and between what was happening culturally at the time. So (laughs) that was definitely a factor. Yeah. And if there's a theme to the slideshow effect... Do you, do you think there was like a conscious attempt to capture it in the lyrics or does it sort of organically sort of come into its own after a song is written in terms of like sitting down to write uh, lyrics? Is it something that like, hmm, I want to try to cohesively come up with a, an idea for a record or is it just, you know, piecemeal? It just sort of comes out and the organic process is more how it's done. I mean, with the slideshow effect, we, we, we re-recorded, I mean, a heirloom and, um, what else came from that album? I guess maybe that was the only one. Oh, and bonfire. So we had those starting off and we knew we wanted to keep those songs and move forward with them. Um, so I think we, I mean, we wrote new songs with like knowing that those were going to be on the album as well. But I think it's kind of like we, we tend to write like, the first three songs and then start kind of finding the theme. And then Mm. we like kind of using the same ideas over again, like that collectiveness. But I don't think we really knew what we were, we were setting out to do until we did it. We kind of grew into it and grew into the themes of the album, but at the same time, we're pretty specific with what we wanted to discuss. And I, I know that, big thing that we had mapped to our like our idea board for the record was that we wanted to explore how people misremember things and that's really what the slideshow effect is to us it's the art of misremembering something and so like coloring 
your memory by nostalgia or by bias or whatever those may be. And so we really look to our own histories to kind of kind of blossom these ideas from things that really happened to us and really try to explore them now as adults and see how the, that perspective shifts now that we've kind of grown into ourselves and our identities. like the subjectivity of memory almost almost sort of tying a little bit to eternal sunshine in a way like misremembering things or candy coating a memory um and nostalgia playing a huge factor into that like looking into the past um you know in hopes of shaping it in a way to make the present you know seem a little bit more brighter like you yeah yeah Sorry, I was just going to say, and that's why Bonfire was such a played such a crucial role because that was really the thesis, which was maybe the past wasn't that great. Let's burn down those memories and start something new. Let's be who we are right now and live in that place. So that's why that and Heirloom, which is really in the same mold as Bonfire, were carryovers because they were really the thesis with which we built the album around. Wow, that's great. I... <laughs> Now, now I just want to listen to the album again, knowing these things. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm also a visual learner. I mean, my podcasting endeavor initially started out as focusing on film, because uh, I'm kind of a film buff. <laughs> and I noticed there's a huge emphasis on video art and photography, which of course I, I really dig. Um, so I get the sense that maybe composing for film would be a really great avenue to pursue at some point. Do you foresee that happening at some point or something you might want to consider? Yeah, I think I think even in a way that we treat each song as like a mini movie, we're trying to Yeah. We we tended to really attach specific images and specific visuals to each individual song, which is actually um <laughs> what the booklet of the album is. It's it's really like a specific picture associated like one of denise's photos associated with the song and kind of writing to that so like for example the opening track which is little expressionless animals that that picture is a stuffed fox that we came across on tour and it it was just really stark and really cutting and so each basically each photo on the album represents something we're trying to convey not unlike a mini movie or something in that vein Maybe for the next record, you can shoot a music video for each song. That'd be really yeah, cool. Someone's finding it, yeah. <laughs> well, start the Kickstarter now. You just never know. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, I have to ask. I mean, I, I know that um, I'm not ready to go into specifics, but I, I, I assume you guys are hard at work on the next record and everything. Um, I know there's been a little bit of a hiatus and whatnot. I mean, it's not, it hasn't been that long. I think most musician, musicians take their time in between records, but um, um, what have you been working on? What have you been doing in the meantime since the slideshow effect? Yeah, it's been a good, uh, like, three years. Um, we have worked our way back into regular day life, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're writing all that time, 
Um, and it's done now, which is great. It's really weird to get back into that mindset of being a musician after being a civilian for so long. Going to the gym. (laughs) (laughs) Denise was in school for much of our hiatus, which is kind of the thing that we really rooted the hiatus in, is that we kind of had these real-world things that were pushing up against us that we just had to address. But it was also nice because when you're in a band and when you're touring for as long as we did and what we did is not really comparable to what like some of the major bands do. Like I can't believe what kind of life Wilco or Spoon have because like we felt pretty invaded by what we were doing, touring every day for three years. Um it we had to really become people again and have experiences in order to write about something. And so that was important to us, and we placed value in just reintegrating ourselves back into society, gaining some perspective, and just seeing, like, hey, do we still want to do this? Do we still have something burning that we need to address through music? Or, you know, it's it's just hard. Like, we never want to force anything. We just want things to come about organically. That's why, you know, even even if we didn't really have a pressing reason to be on a hiatus, we would still want to have as much time as humanly possible to make the best songs that we can possibly make. Well, that makes complete sense. I think um, anytime I actively say I'm going to sit down and write a song, nothing comes out. And it's those moments where, like, I'm on autopilot at work or driving or something, I'll start hearing a melody in my head. And that's kind of interesting to me, where it's the songwriting process sort of happens unexpectedly or organically as opposed to you know sitting in front of a keyboard and getting composition paper out and saying i'm going to write a song now that's never that's never how it works and i i have no doubt that you guys are cooking up something great or it's done and (laughs) can't wait to hear it obviously um it's really great to talk to you guys and as you know i really believe that there is this genuine grace and beauty to your music. It's sublime, simple, timeless. It does have those kind of dream pop elements that wouldn't be out of place like on a slow dive record, but the pop melodies are so strong and catchy that I could see a band like from the 60s singing the choruses at times. Um, But I also wouldn't want to compartmentalize your sound. It's wholly original and it's your own. And it makes me... Your music makes me happier and feel more connected to the world. And I hope you continue to make as much music as possible. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's good to know that there are people who really connected with that record, especially. Because um, yeah. that one took a long time to write. <laughs> they all take a long time. It's very, uh, yeah. The only way uh, around it is through it. It's just, it takes what it takes. Yeah. Unfortunately, we'd love to be able to crank out a record a year and just kind of bask in the glow of always completing things. But um, unfortunately, that's not the case for us. Yes, Evan and I take a long time and we think about things probably way too much. But it's, yeah. we were jokingly <laughs> referring to this album as the great American novel because it was just <laughs> taking so freaking long and it just felt like we were just sojourning to Big Sur or something or just going on all these spiritual journeys just to complete this freaking record. But, um, you know, now it, it's so cathartic now that it's done. It's just yeah. we have this thing that's done now and it's weird. 
I have no doubt that it's worth the wait. And you don't need to be the Woody Allen of music, you know, and put out a record a year, because look at Woody Allen. You know, not yeah. every movie he makes every year is that great. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, great, guys. I'm I'm so stoked to hear what uh, what you guys got in store next, and hopefully I get to shake your hands and thank you yeah. in person for your amazing music. Well, thank you for so much for having us. Yeah, th- thanks for the time. Nice chat. Great. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> thanks uh, for being on the Pop Culture Club podcast, and uh, take care, guys. Thanks. Right, cheers. See you. Thank you to Denise and Evan for appearing on the show and, of course, for their incredible talent. They are amazing, um, as you already know. So thank you again for listening and visit popcultureclub.net. That's the new web address. More details to come on that for future episodes. Enjoy the rest of this wonderful song. First, I typed um, memory house at live.cat. And I thought, oh, yes. hmm, there, sh- there should be a cat sh- email address. Yeah, there should be a dot cat at this <laughs> point. Well, we're glad it worked. Me too. We were worried for a second. Yeah. I was Evan, worried too. He's quiet. Yeah, I'm lurking in the shadows. There we go. Oh, man. That's Ugh. just in time for Halloween. <laughs>